Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. By now, you should know what that means, right? That means that I got to download <laughs> that wishes. Telephone call worthy. Do you understand? Listen, uh, I want you to go ahead and buckle your seatbelt. I don't care that you're in the room. I want you to buckle your spiritual seatbelt because we finna ride. Do you understand? I have discovered something so refreshing that I actually said, I'm not going to be a selfish grandbaby. <laughs> you understand? I'm going to call and I'm going to share because that is the epitome of why we speak to each other in the first place. Like, that's why I'm your favorite homegirl. Guess what I discovered? Mm -hmm. That that plan that God says that he has for you, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good, not, for, not to harm, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. And uh, what I realized, because I've been kind of reading more about Moses and looking to see, like, man, he, it's amazing how he was drawn from a river or drawn from the Nile. And the very thing that was trying to kill him in one season actually died in the form of water as well, right? And so all of that collectively, what I came back to was whatever it is that God has for you, it literally is embedded within you. It's almost like going back and looking at clues and being like, you know what? That boy had a basketball in his hand since I'm talking about from the time that he can crawl. <laughs> like, why was it out of all the things you could have gravitated to, you gravitated to that? You know what? She's been talking her whole entire life. Let me tell you something. We had to put her to bed to get her to shut up. Okay. She's been, and now what you do is you connect the dots through life. You're like, yo, everything that I'm a, I got in trouble for or people thought were weird or it was my particular quirk or nuance to other people. It actually was the very thing that propelled me to different seasons of my life, right? And so I think what that usually is is that we're connecting the dots to what God originated for our lives. And so a lot of things have been happening, but more so I think that if we really took the time took the time to dissect yourself, you would unpack a whole nother realm of you that will blow your mind. Today I went ahead and I was on uh, YouTube. I'm very fascinated by people who live a non-traditional life, meaning that they go against the grain and they find their idea of success. One thing that I've noticed about me is that the more that I experience life, the more that I unpack myself, the more that I truly understand what brings me true, authentic joy, I realize that uh, it's not what everybody else is saying. And so I think that the human nature is to go search for another form of you. Like, let me see if I'm the only person that feels this because the power in number is just not a spiritual thing. I think that it actually f ignites 
a certain flame within you that keeps your inner fire going. When you get with somebody who loves the game of basketball the way that you do and you watch it with them, it is an experience that you cannot literally duplicate with just anybody else. When you find someone that you you from my hometown too and y'all get the talking and the accents start to go and you start talking about food and people that you may or may not know, like there's a certain excitement and adrenaline that comes with that. Do you understand that that could be the same exact thing for people who feel and are designed and wired just the way that you are, that you can bring up a life idea and they're like, yo, I can see it. Do you understand the I'm talking about explosion in the spiritual realm that occurs when you find someone who fans your flame. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. And so I went on YouTube and I'm and I'm looking up the different things like uh, the group called Fire. I think that is uh, financially independent retire early is what the acronym stands for. And it really is this movement of people that are like, listen, I know that the unadvertised American dream is, you know, get the house, get the expensive car, climb the corporate ladder, more, 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 make more, buy more, do more, be busy. Didn't I? I mean, E or the above, right? That That's the unadvertised, like, oh, okay, so what do you do for a living? Where do you live? And what do you, because it's a constant scaling of, hmm, are you living a life that is equated to what we consider a good life to be? And there is a movement of people that are like, can I say something? I don't like ketchup on my burger. <laughs> I don't really. Yeah. You don't like what? Uh, yeah, DJ Scratch. Someone is actually saying, you know what? That may work out for you. But the kind of grandbaby that I am, it's not giving me mm, joy. It took me years to realize that I'm personable and I'm a people person, but I'm an introvert. I, I, you would not be able to tell from my personality or how I feel when I'm around people for a couple of minutes <laughs> that I actually get my most battery recharged by myself. I never had the life moments to pause long enough to say, why am I uncomfortable in this group? How come when people are like, yo, let's go out this weekend, I'm not super excited about that. What is it about doing a group anything that makes me feel like, can I just bring my part early and y'all can go ahead and catch up after that because I don't really feel like. What is it about people saying, oh, I want to come over that makes me go, I moved yesterday I'm coming back tomorrow <laughs> what is it and, and I wish that someone saw me thorough enough to teach me hey you're a little bit different hone in on that really grasp that <laughs> really see what's going on really and so what happened was I wanted to go so far against the grain I actually did it but then I feel like I picked up somebody else's armor like I went and watched Dave Ramsey and I was like, yeah, debt free. They're going to do that. Rice and beans, beans and rice. I'm going to do that. And while I love his biblical financial advice and principles that he teaches, I realized that that's the vision that he had 
for his family because he had gone bankrupt twice and realized, oh my goodness, he is not handling money well for a new husband, a new father. He had two children under the age of two and they were not doing well financially. So he said, you know what? He did one extreme. Messed up money so bad he went bankrupt twice, rebuking the name of Jesus. So then I think he went to the ultimate extreme that he will have no debt. And while that is the life goal, the way that he went about it was the way that it was intended for his life. So now you have people following a blueprint that the methodology may be way too intense but the principle should be followed. And if we quiet ourselves long enough, I feel like we will see the undertone of that. I have read countless stories of people pursuing professions because their parents expected that or they felt like that was the only way to have a good life or they felt like, you know what, whatever their excuse was. But on the other side of that coin, The true question of what would you do with your life, your time, and your gifting that if money was not an issue, you would do it yesterday for the rest of your life and be excited about it. It normally isn't the thing that the person is making a wage from. And if the two are polar opposites, then that means that you picked up somebody else's armor. You picked up somebody else's blueprint. You picked up somebody else's idea of, wow, this is what I desire. And what you saw was the end result. But what you forgot to do is customize your own steps to get there. It's like walking in someone's home and going, this is beautiful. Where'd you get your couch? Where'd you get your blog? Where'd you get that? And the next thing you know, they go to your house and it looks exactly like their home. Same floor plan. Like you went to Target as well. You got the same furniture, same color scheme, same. And that is like as idiotic as that sounds, that's what we do. We see someone else's marriage and we're like, that's awesome. And then we go back to our marriage. We're like, look, this one needs to be done. We got to that. And then you wonder why it's not working because the variables are different. You are two different individuals trying to get someone else's outcome when you should just be asking for the principles so that you can practice it in your own customized way. What did you do to become that particular position in leadership? You went to school and then you did that and blah, blah, blah. You got the certification. Okay, good. And then you go and you take their steps and then you try to implement that in your home, in your life, in your career. Would it blow your mind if God got you there without the degree? Would it blow your mind that the person who got there without the degree is not how God wants to get you there? You actually need the degree and the certification. Would it blow your mind that you may not meet your high school and college sweetheart and then marry him? Would it blow your mind that you actually get it right the third time around? (laughs) Would it blow like, and so that's the danger of sitting so closely to someone that you forget just to get the principle that you actually make their life your blueprint, that you actually make their steps your law. 
that you actually come out of the covering of Christ and you start to forsake everything and follow what somebody else did because you're that in love with their outcome. It is okay to look at someone and say, I love that. That resonates with me, except I want it in red. And I wanted a little bit this and a little bit that, but like, yeah, there is nothing wrong with looking at what someone else has produced and customizing it in your own way. Someone looked at the apple that God produced and was like, this is really good, but I feel like I want mine hot with a crust. I think I want to make apple pie. (laughs) You know what? I love what you've done with the tree. But I think I want something that I can actually write on. Can I use this? It's nothing wrong with taking some of the raw materials of what a person showed you that they were able to produce and loving it enough that you see you can put your own spin on it and produce something that is in your likeness. Yeah, God was like, listen, we creating everything. We mountains and bears and tigers and plants. and But now I think I want to make something in my own likeness. What y'all think? You agree? Everybody in agreement say I. <laughs> like that's what was happening in Genesis. It's okay to see what someone created and be an admirer of that. Actually say, oh my gosh, actually I like that. But then take that. And then go ahead and duplicate something in your own likeness. I should go into your cubicle and see that it's different from everyone else's. I don't care if everybody in this shop is getting the same hairstyle. What spin are you going to put on the braids? Are you going to put a little shell on it? Are you going to put a different color right there? Are you going? I don't care. Hair has been around for centuries. How are you doing it differently? Uh, Clothes has been around for centuries. How are you putting a different spin on it? Marriages have been around. Mothers have been around. Fathers have been around. Family has been around. Friendship. How are you putting your own spin on it that when you step back the way that God did in Genesis, you can actually say, "Mm," and it's good. What sense would it be to step back from something that you produced and just realize it's a manufactured situation. You just cut and paste somebody else's, it's good. Like that is the, literally the goal of creation. God said, let there be light. First thing, and, and God said it was good. And he kept doing that. He went ahead and he, okay, let's separate that. Put that there. Okay, stars stay right there. Don't move. And step back. That And that was the third day, and this was the fourth day, and this was the fifth. And every time that the day ended, God said, mm, this was good. Do not cheat yourself out of the epitome, the utopic goal of creating. The goal is to create and see your imprint, to see your customization, and then to be so proud of your work that you say, yo, this is good. To be able to cook a meal, serve it to people, taste it, and be like, mm, this probably my, <laughs> this probably the best time, this probably the best one, right? Mm-hmm. Like perfectly seasoned. It don't got an extra kick that it ain't supposed to be there. It, you understand? Like to actually go ahead and, and make a cup of coffee and go, mm, there it is. 
like to be proud of your own stuff to put on an outfit and go very much like look the way you turn in the mirror and look at yourself because you realize that how you produce a thing guess what it is good and what we don't understand is that when you take that away from you, you don't have the urge to want to produce again. You don't have the urge to keep wanting to go ahead and be more innovative, to be more creative, because it's not you driving it. It's somebody else's idea. It's like, yo, a, a ghostwriter. If you got a ghostwriter for your album, guess what? You can't just walk in the studio, or whatever clock in the morning and be like, put that on. Turn me up. <laughs> uh, mm, uh. You you can't do it. You got to sit near your phone and wait for somebody to produce something so that you can actually go ahead and put your voice on it. It is way different when you're waiting to put your voice on something opposed when you can actually put your imprint on something. Yeah, anybody can talk over this, but, but not a lot of people can produce this. Hmm. Yeah, when you make a good, good record, guess what? People be sampling it for days. Sampling in all kind of genres because you produce something so original and authentic and timeless that people are like, I'm not even going to try to reproduce. I'm a cut. Why recreate the wheel, sir? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and copy and paste what you just did. I'm a sample what you did, but I'm going to put my own spin on it. Mm. Cause otherwise, what is that? That's plagiarism, right? And where I'm from, there's laws and all kind of uh, legal uh, litigations behind that. There's certain things you can, yeah, copying and pasting in any other subject of life, whether it's art, whether it's literature, whether it's music, whether you cannot look at somebody else's something and go, oh, okay, I'm going to just go over here, change up two words and then say that it was my idea. You will be in somebody's court and it won't be in your favor. So if you can't do that in other subjects and arenas of life, why do you do that for your own personal life? Why do you look at somebody else's body type and say, mm, I'm going to go get a BBL, huh? But God didn't create you like that. Yeah, but I like, what do you like? about Time out, let's just all, like, just, like, think about it real quick. And I hate to get in somebody's grandbaby's business, but, like, you know what? We're here now. What is it about the BBL that makes you say, oh, that's the dope body type? Or are you looking at the results of a BBL, the way that you look when you take photos or with the attention that you get, the fact that you feel a little bit more sexy? Yeah, but why can't you do that in your own skin? And you're in your best shape, taking care of yourself, going to the gym, doing whatever needs to be done. You mean to tell me that you don't feel that in your own shell, that you got to go get and manufacture somebody else's shell to feel sexy enough to be you? Oh, how come other girls suck like this in Kella? Somebody heard that and was like, oh my gosh, she sounds so hot. And you just copied and pasted. Hmm. Why you sound like that? Is that even how you really talk? <laughs> like, I don't understand. And you know what comes to mind? Michael Jackson. You know how he used to talk like this? Like, because he was a real delicate grandbaby. We not gossiping. I'm just using him as an example. Somebody said in a documentary I watched one time that they went ahead and called them at an odd hour, and he had the deepest voice. And they was like, hello? And he was like, <clears throat> 
like saying Michael Michael, Michael. <laughs> like he went ahead and went back high pitched. And maybe in his mind, that deep of a voice would scare children because maybe Joe Jackson had a deep voice. So in his mind, he went ahead and he thought softer, lighter, fluffier, just whatever I can do to just tiptoe and have it where it sounds like this. In his mind, that's the voice that he should have had. Well, why couldn't you have taken the voice that God gave you and shown, recreated the image that was in your own brokenness and said, yo, I'm going to teach children that no matter if it's a, a voice with a lot of baritone or not, that you can still be sensitive and still be masculine. That you can still sound like, because you know what? When I hear Barry White's song, I'm not scared. When I heard him going ahead and, uh, uh, having interviews and such, I wasn't scared. So Barry White was able to have a softness to him, wasn't he? Can't get enough of your love, babe. Hello? When I when we hear James Earl Jones, sir, he is Lion King. They use that voice for animation. So what about a deep voice, Mr. Jackson? Made you say, no, that's scary. Can you imagine if James Earl Jones said that? If he was like, bruh, why is my voice this deep at seven? I want to I want to sound like my friends. Bruh, my voice is getting deeper at 12? <laughs> okay, you know, bruh, okay, this is getting outrageous. Like at 25, people are like, sir, can I speak to your father? And I'm like, I, I, listen, this is, I'm not the grandfather, forget it. Like, I'm sure it was frustrating trying to explain, no, ma'am, I'm 19. <laughs> like, really? This is not Mr. Jones? Like, no, this is Earl Jones Jr. Forget it, I can't. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm so glad that James Earl Jones did not disguise his voice and that he was able to find true success, his particular lane, with his voice. Mufasa. You understand? Forever. Yo, for we know for we can hear a commercial and be like, that's James Earl. That ain't nothing but James Earl. Cause you 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 know James Earl's voice. Like you see what I'm saying? Why can't you win with your own customization? You think God would give you something that is like, bruh, he gave you um four clubs and a heart in this game of spades. If you truly feel like that, then you owe it to yourself to be like, and guess what? I'm going to make at least bored. Yeah, this tennis going to walk. <laughs> I don't care. That means that I have to be so strategic on how I play my hand, but I'm going to win with the hand that I was given. You understand? I realized all of this just by coming to the eureka of like, guess what? Can I tell you something? In real talk, non-gossiping conversations, right? Okay, cool. I don't want the corporate American life. I thought for so long that I wanted to climb the career ladder. I wanted to retire after, however, you know, I reached the epitome of the title that I wanted. And that would have been a life well lived for me. And what I realized when I had a moment of quietness, I was trying to duplicate a life of two different things. One that I've never seen before. I do not know anyone who is retired comfortably and retired at an age that made sense to their title. It's like you retired in a position that you had 
you got Trey out of high school. To me, that's not retirement with dignity. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, it got to be a title that makes sense with an amount that makes sense. And I'll go ahead and retire. But if I'm honest, it's because the person that I really, really, truly admired their work ethic, which was my mother, I looked at her and said, bruh, I watched her climb and that was intriguing to me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. But if I'm completely vulnerable and transparent right now, I always thought that 60 anything was too late to be trying to just retire and enjoy life. Because up until that point that I made this discovery, but kind of buried it, I never seen anyone retire. I've never seen anyone live past that age. So to me, to start living at an age that I didn't see anyone reach yet was kind of scary to me. I had people pass around me that were young, rebuking the name of Jesus. So if I'm honest, I buried the dashboard alarm that came up on my soul that said, hey, I'm not trying to scare you, but um, I don't want to wait that long to try to live. I want to live now and I want to live uh, with joy and I want to live where it makes sense to me. Like I told you in another conversation, my first year of freshman undergrad college, I said, I want to go to school at night. Blew my mother's mind. What do you mean? You want to go to school at night? That's stupid. Nobody goes to school at night. Well, if nobody goes to school at night, why are there professors teaching at night? That's stupid. I get my most energy and my most innovative ideas at night. But even the person who birthed me didn't understand that. It was, no, you go to school in the morning. I was like, well, if we're going to pay for this class, I want to make sure that I'm going to pass it. So the compromise was, we'll see what your grades look like for the first semester. If they don't look good, you go in the daytime. Guess what? I had something to prove. I got on the dean's list my first year. Blew it out the water. Because I wanted to show I can win with my own way of doing something. I don't have to wear your armor. I can win my way. And so now I'm at a point that I'm like, yo, can I ask myself something? This was me having a real talk moment that I'm going to go ahead and just pull back the, the curtain so you could see. I was like, is your idea of success the same? And you know what I came up with? No. Yeah. Do you, is your dream car like everybody else's dream car? No. Do you get excited about? No. I have likeness like most people. It's like, oh, yeah, me too. I like that song too. But for the most part, when I really identify to my core what success means, what I want retirement to look like for me and my family and my husband, what I want generational wealth to look like, what I want. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. So I had to double back. So where did you get the other stuff from? It was a, a unconscious copy and paste. Because when you don't know how to occupy your space, someone else goes ahead and furnishes for you. And you'll find that you're living in a circumstance and you're looking around, you're like, I hate this color. I don't like polyester. This feels wrong. If I had it my way, I wouldn't have no carpet right there. I would have went ahead and made something fuzzy. And you have to live in something that you are not bold enough to say, okay, time out, demolition. 
Mm-mm. I want to knock this wall down. I'm so, I've been looking at this wall for 20 years. I cannot. I like open concept. I know you don't, but this is what I like. I know you don't like the minimalistic look, but I do. I know you don't like blue and that color going together, but I do. I know you don't like, are you bold enough to be able to look at something that someone else furnished for you and say, okay, that may work out for you, but that's a trigger color for me. That's a trigger word for me. That scent don't smell good to me. Like, are you able to dissect, oh my gosh, I am residing somewhere with someone else unintentionally and maybe on my level unconsciously furnished for me and this is my life. Yeah, I I don't think I want that. And what I realized in unpacking that this is not the first time that this has happened. This is um, actually a biblical issue. I went back to read about David when he was getting ready to beat up Goliath and do what needs to be done. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, literally, this is the wrong time to be trying to tell somebody how to do something. Let's go ahead and real quick read from 1 Samuel 17. You know, I read from the NLT version, right? Okay, let's read from verse 32. So this is actually... David getting ready to go ahead and put thine hands on Goliath. So 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's a man of war since his youth. 34, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 35, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death, 36. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God, 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. 39. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. 40. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Let me explain something to you. You know what's dangerous about allowing someone else's blueprint to be the steps for your life? It's usually in an area you never frequent in like where someone else thinks they're helping you oh baby you never been married let me tell you what to do oh baby you never had a baby before let me go ahead and tell you how to handle that baby oh you never you never had that kind of big girl job let me go ahead and tell you how to and someone thinks because you never was in that arena before that what they have is more potent and prominent than what God innately embedded in you Like David had to tell him, yeah, I may not have fought no Philistine, but at the same time, bro, you never fought no lion. (laughs) You understand? You never fought no bear, sir. Okay. So the same guy that went ahead and showed me how to spar with them, I think I could do it with this. 
Like I was fighting different species. You have something to say because this particular Philistine trained better than me. I fought a different species. Can you say the same? Like the things that I've conquered in my own time with God, like it has made me confident on the things that are trying to defeat me now. But what you don't understand is that because you don't see that I'm eye to eye to a situation that you're not even bold enough to conquer, you think because you haven't conquered it that I'm going to fail in it. No, it doesn't work that way. What you can't conquer, God called me for. Hmm? Oh, (laughs) What what the what the preacher would say right there? That's a word right there. You, you understand? I I love the fact that David had everything you didn't have, sir. He had the confidence <laughs> without the cockiness. You you feel me? He had it was like yo. He had a plan. I had I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do my thing. So I was like, wait a minute, bro. You can't possibly nobody nobody goes to school at night and wins. They don't. Uh-uh, nobody gets married that early and, and has a successful marriage. You're too young. You Nobody gets married that old and has, nobody ha, has that little bit of money is able to go ahead and have financial freedom. Nobody had, listen, you better start telling people to stop telling you what cannot be done and let them understand that God has done way more with way less before, okay? Yeah, I can point it out in your life if you want me to. I can point it out in other lies. I can point it in the Bible. But what you're going to stop doing is telling me what God can't do with my faith because my faith is bigger than what you're actually saying right now. My faith is bigger than the doubt that you're trying to plant. And so I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm going to give you back the seed you tried to plant and I'm going to go ahead and fight with God. Because my soil (laughs) is too fertile for anything that looks like uh, weeds. Yeah, I'm not interested in, in your prophetic hypothesis on how this is going to work out. But he literally told David after he said, I got this. He said, don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Bro, you gave him a, a, a double. Are you, you didn't say, uh, mm. You sure? You told Buddy, don't be ridiculous. So you chomped him down. You told him there's no possible way uh, that he can f- that he can win. But more so, let me go back. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. So he's talking about, bro, you you can't fight. Oh, and you're definitely not going to win. It's one thing to say, you want to go out there? Uh, Okay, just windmill as fast as you can. You told him, no, I'm going to go ahead and already conclude what I believe for you. I believe that you cannot go out there and fight him. And I also believe you cannot go out there and win against him. So if you if you already gave me what you believe about me, you think that I'm going to take the armor that you're trying to give me? No, if I don't want your doubt, I also don't want the provisions that you made with the doubt that you have for me. Well, I don't know if they're hiring, but go ahead and take this little bit of money. And no, 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 no. I don't want to use anything that you get ready to give me when you planted that in doubt. No, no, no. You know, I I think it may be too early for y'all to get married, but you know what? You have my blessing. No, 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 no. I don't want you there at the wedding. I don't want you (laughs) witnessing anything. I don't want you being planted anywhere of what you're giving me is getting ready to get planted from doubt. Like you going to give me your blessing when you just finished saying a couple sentences ago, you thought it was too, mm, mm, mm. you know what? I just, I'll go ahead. No, 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 no. I don't want it. Let me explain something to you. Don't give me nothing 
from your mouth when it actually was the tail end of the doubt that you initially started with. I don't want it. Don't want it. Uh, it, it, it's not, it's not going to help me. Yet the help that you're trying to give me is actually saturated in a hindrance. I don't want it. And I'm so glad that David at least tried to be respectful enough to say, okay, I'm a, <laughs> if I'm going to do something I've never done and wear something I've never worn, I'm at least try to see if this is comfortable. So let me, um, let me try to do Megan and knees with it real quick. No, this, this is day two type. Mm-mm, I can't wear these pants. <laughs> I can't wear this armor. It's not given what it was supposed to have gave. And I am so glad that he respected what God did for him in his life more than he respected the hierarchy of Saul. What if he would have looked at Saul like, bro, you already are the head of the army. If anybody knows what to do, it's you. If anybody knows at least how to, like, it's you. So, ah, God, I know what you did in my life before, but it doesn't look like um, I'm suited for what's coming up. Now. Forget it. I'm going to just take what Saul says. Saul, would you say? Take this helmet. Uh-huh. Ooh. You were sweating? Okay, take the helmet, take the armor, and then what I'm supposed to do? And then you'll go out there with the seed of doubt from Saul and lose a fight that God called you from, called you to, was training you in. This whole entire time, you thinking you were shepherd. No, it's training you for this Goliath. You will go out there with that seed of Saul and die in something, rebuke it in the name of Jesus, that you were meant to free people from. Up until the time that David came on the scene, it was 40 days and nights that Goliath was tormenting them folks. What God called you to is going to free so many people attached to you. You cannot afford to do it the way that they think. No, this marriage is too important for me to really try to delay anything because of your lack of approval. No, God is trying to break and bring some stuff through and birth some stuff. He's trying to break generational curses and birth generational wealth through this. So I'm really sorry if you think it's too early, too late, too, too, whatever you're thinking. But I got to mute you, like bring you down one, two, three, four, five, all the way down on volume. And I got to trust that God, I'm going to do it your way. I've never seen nobody do it this way. And it's okay because that's when it's a fork in the road. What are you going to believe? It's a circumstance that you've never been in before. This is the first time you've embarked on this journey. Do you believe what everybody else is saying? Or you, do you believe what God is innately gravitating you to? No, I'm sure you never A, B, and C'd. But quite frankly, the person who's giving you their uh, soul seed, has never been in that situation before. They've been in a rendition, maybe the great value version of it, but they've never been in your exact circumstance at this particular juncture in your life, at this age, with this resource, at this time in the generation. It's way different. All they're giving you is what they've done in their particular season. So what do you choose when you have a fork in the road? Do you choose the seed of Saul or do you go by what you know God has trained you for in your shepherd season? What do you do? Yeah, you give that back. (laughs) You give that armor back. I'm going to give you the answer because the Bible says, listen, I put before you life and death, choose life. He gave you the question and the answer. It was like God cheated real quick. Like, look, um, life or death, choose life. Circle B. (laughs) He gave you the answer. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. Give that armor back. 
Get that mindset back. Get that way of looking at men back. No, no, no. That's the experience that you are going to go ahead and have the summation of, of men because of what you've been through. No, no, no. That's the way you see corporate. Uh, uh-uh. uh. That's the way you deem retirement. No, no, no. That's the way you experience home ownership. Mm-mm. That's the way that you experience having children. No, no. That's the way that you, but God is not calling me from the seed of you. He customized me for the calling that he has for my life. Yeah, I I apologize as much as I want to respect you person of title that I respect and should honor and have you have hierarchy over me as much as I want your name to rain bells. I got to go with the person who made the both of us. I got to go with Alpha and Omega. I'm sorry. The creator trumps you in this one. I do apologize. So while you still stay over there to see how this is going to work out, I think I'm going to go with the person who worked it out. Yeah, I think I'm going to follow the one who actually worked it out. So when you give back your armor, make sure you get back what is innately natural to you. Because watch this, the the preacher say, uh, 39, David put on, or David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. But then what did he do the very next verse? He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. He gave back the armor and picked up what was natural to him. He gave back the seed of Saul and picked up the shepherd's training that God gave him. You need to give back the armor and pick up what God armed you with. You, mm, Holy Spirit, do what it do then, sir. Do you understand that? And if you don't feel that, then you need to go back and ask God, okay, you know what? Take off the scales on my eyes. You need to have a domestics moment because there's been too many people putting their vision on your eyes and you can't see through the lens that God has for your life. Hmm. Give it back and then get it back. Give it back and then get it back. <sighs> Bro, if I don't get up this phone, we're going to be talking. Listen, stop playing with me. Stop playing with you. Stop playing with these folks. Stop playing with God. The calling on your life is too huge for you to be copy and pasting something else when God already customized your calling. Do you understand that? Like literally, I want you to be okay with being an alien because guess what? The way that God has populated this earth, no matter how many people you're around, there's something about you that is so different from everybody else outside of your fingerprints. There's something about the way that you are wired that's different than your soul, nuclear family or nuclear, whatever that is. It is so different that God is like, I don't want you to be the same. I want you to be different. But here you are trying to make yourself another thumb on a hand. We already got a thumb, ma'am. How about being some nail polish? Do something different on the hand. Do you understand that? But listen, I I feel like you got what you needed. I got to go. That's why I set the alarm because I I literally told myself I got to go. Listen, uh, you know what these conversations are. No, I don't have to give you a challenge because you heard it. What's your challenge? I'm not screaming at you. I'm just talking passionately. Your challenge is to give it back and then get it back. That's what I was trying to tell you before. You, you know what these conversations are. I can't be bothered. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Who? Your favorite homegirl. 
Yeah, I could literally get off this phone and run laps the way that I am like seriously empowered right now because I it's literally like I seen the trap and I gave everybody else the coordinates to go around it because I found my personal island. I don't want anybody else to die in the trap of somebody else's customized plan for them. I don't want anyone else to die. Maybe not a physical death, rebuke in the name of Jesus, but definitely an innovative one, a creative one. There's so many things in you that you can't get out because someone else already customized your home and you decided to live in it. I want you to run away. <laughs> like seriously, get out. The get out challenge, if you will, okay? But listen, if we don't get off now, we're going to keep talking. And so I have to go. I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later? Okay. No, we will. We have to because at this point it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Later. Oh, wait, before you go, uh, let me go ahead and just remind you again that you need to be looking at created to multiply.com. Very much created, the number two, multiply.com. Oh, and you know your girl got a Patreon now, right? Mm-hmm. When you go to the website, you'll see all of that. So very much go, okay? Now I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Later. <laughs>